Welcome back to the best in sports podcasting, the Denver Sports Report with your host, Jeff Rohr. We're going to be talking about the March Madness because this is our comeback March episode. We'll be talking about the Denver Nuggets and their current season. We're going to be on a topic with our always on topic team, the Denver Broncos. And because we have esports organizations as our sponsor and Dota 2 specifically, we're going to be talking about the Dota Pro Circuit, the previous winter tour, and what's to come from Valve and Steam. Welcome back into the Denver Sports Report with your host Jeff Rohr. Um, yeah, we took a little break there from January. <laughs> We're about two months late on our follow-up episode. Sorry about that. Uh, I had to finish up some school stuff and get back into this. Um, we're going to start off by talking about the Denver Nuggets, who are they're middling this season, but they are down their second star and third star and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But a positive trend for them is that Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. are somewhat trending positively towards a potential return during the playoffs. It's been a while since either of them have played, so you don't know what you're going to get out of them. You know they're Jamal and Michael Porter are both really good players, but you don't know what you're going to get. Michael Porter, he's looking to go to the Nuggets D-League affiliate and have some scrimmage games there to try to get back into basketball shape. Um, as well, uh, we're going to talk about that trade deadline where the Nuggets didn't make a move. They... Needed probably to get Nicola some help. They really needed to get him some help there. Uh, I know Aaron Gordon's good. He's a fourth or fifth star at best. Will Barton, he's okay. He's he's hit or miss. He's kind of a linchpin for this team currently with Jamal and Michael out. Um, Boogie Cousins. That was an unexpected signing for me because I... I kind of thought Boogie was washed, personally, but he's been playing well in his time with the Nuggets. They really haven't lost much when Boogie's been playing at all. They they have a... Actually, the Nuggets are winning a lot of the games that Boogie has either just played in. He's Anytime he's just played, the Nuggets have won that game more often than not. And then you have Nikola Jokic, who's playing like an absolute madman. Having to solo carry this Nuggets team for the most part. Being the point guard, the center. He's playing defensively stout, offensively. He's playing out of his mind. He's leading the NBA in total points added defensively and offensively. On both sides of the ball, he is playing outstandingly. And that's led the Nuggets to a 37-26 and record currently on March. Yeah. As of March 5th, the Nuggets are 37-26. and 26. They're one game behind the 5th seed, who are the Mavericks. Or the Mavericks are 38-25. And, and uh, speaking of the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, he might be that guy. Not gonna... He might just be that guy. He, he might be a really good second coming of what that Mavericks team is best known for. Is just a outstanding European player. They, get, they can't really do have that in Luka currently. And then, come back to our Nuggets with our European player, 
Nikola Jokic, who currently on the season is averaging 25.4 points per game, 13.8 rebounds per game, 7.9 assists per game, but he's basically averaging 25, 14, and 8. He's playing very, very, very well. Um, it's crazy to think that this guy was a second-round pick in 2014. And during when he was drafted, the the former MVP, actually current MVP, my apologies, the current MVP had a commercial going over the time that the Nuggets drafted him. I do believe it was like a Taco Bell commercial, maybe. I'm not fully sure. But it's just wild to me to think that a guy who became an MVP, a second-round pick, when he was drafted, the NBA was running a Taco Bell commercial over this man's best moment. That is actually wild to me. Um, yeah, Nikola's playing completely out of his mind again. He's playing better than he did last season when he was the MVP. That's crazy to think. Like, this dude loses his sidekick in Jamal Murray, loses his third option to kick out in Michael Porter Jr. last season. They make the Western Conference Finals, don't win... Because they're down Jamal, they end up down Michael Porter as well. They're down their one, their two and three stars, and Nikola is just willing this Nuggets team to the playoffs at this point. He is completely one man carrying this team. He's getting help from Boogie off the bench when Nikola's starting. He's getting help from Aaron Gordon here and there. He's getting help from Will Barton. He's getting help from all these role players, but. None of these guys are that number two star. They're not Jamal Murray. They're not Michael Porter Jr. It's just it's just the nature of how this Nuggets team is playing. Everything's centered around Nikola. If Nikola has an off night, the entire team has an off night, which is kind of sad. Because it, if Jamal's around, if Nikola has an off night, all right, cool. Let Jamal run the offense. That's fine. If Jamal has an off night, Nicola's gonna go off. It, they, they're literally just they they Jamal and Nicola just play very well together, and Nicola without Jamal is playing out of his mind. But with Jamal, he's an even better player because Nicola doesn't have to be fully the center of attention. Uh, yeah, it just makes it it makes life easier on the MVP Nicola Jokic if Jamal Murray's around. It's just the nature of the Nuggets as a team. Um, yeah, they're 14 games back of first with the who the Suns. Jesus, the Suns are literally going on a tear this season. Their number one seeded Suns are 51 and 12 so far in the season. That is actually insane. I have not checked this standings for a hot minute. Yeah, the Nuggets. They're that sixth seed, so they're not absolutely comfortable they're on that fringe of having to be in the playing round of they have the wind of actually make the actual playoffs so the nuggets aren't fully comfortable but they need guys to come back and be healthy and help out nicola uh in their conference the nuggets are 22 and 18 at home they're 18 and 11 they're even better on the road with more wins they're 19 and 15 they have more losses, but they're they're winning more on the road. They've had a lot of road games. Um, if you look at this Nuggets schedule, they had a rough first half schedule. They had to play a lot of tough teams. 
their second half schedule eases up a little bit. They get a little bit more... It's a little easier for this Nuggets team to find wins when they need it to. When they need it to get a better seating in the playoffs. Uh, it really helps that this, their second half of the schedule is easier because you don't have to consistently play Nikola night in, night out. He can take a few more rest days and get ready for the playoffs. He doesn't have to play every, all 82 games. And plus, Boogie Cousins has shown that he can... He still has it, really. Like, DeMarcus Cousins, he still has it, even though, personally, I thought Boogie Cousins was a little washed. He does have it still. Considering his game last night, he had played 24 minutes, had 31 points, 8 rebounds. Some, like, Boogie Cousins showed that he still had it. Um, yeah, uh, this Nuggets team, they're, they're lurking to have a much easier second-half schedule, so... That's a positive trend for this team who, even even though they're 37-26 and 26 in that sixth seed in the West, I think the Nuggets are going to be making moves positively towards the top of the Western Conference standings. I think this Nuggets team has the potential to be a top four seed. I think I could, I could honestly see them being a four or three seed here with their schedule easing up a little bit for them. Uh, yeah, nah. About the Nuggets, that's about all we, I got. Nicole is playing like an MVP. He's playing like a madman. Michael, Michael Malone. Now we can get into the NCAA March Madness Tournament. And our our little segment we got about it. The projected number one seeds for <clears throat> March Madness. In the West, we got Gonzaga, who are playing really good. In the Midwest, we got Auburn, who's the projected number one seed. In the Southern conference we got arizona in the east we got baylor then the number two seeds out in the west university of kentucky in the midwest university of kansas in the south the university of wisconsin and in the east the number two seed behind baylor is duke personally i don't know why but i don't really have a college basketball team um I just, I'm, with basketball in general, I am a player first guy. Uh, I don't follow a team heavily. I just follow a specific player heavily. So, I don't really follow specific schools in terms of basketball in general. But, if you've looked at the season so far in college, the teams that, these are, they're the number one and two seeds for a reason. I don't think it's going to be a number one or two seed this season that wins March Madness. I think it might be a three or four seed that wins. Personally, I don't think any of these one or two seeds. Gonzaga could make a run again, but I don't think they're going to. Kansas, they're always good. Kentucky, always good. Wisconsin, I mean, they're the number one two seeds. Arizona, surprise number one seed. Auburn, surprise, they're the, probably the best SEC team. Baylor, they're a good basketball team, but you have your, like, namesakes here. You got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke. Like, those four have been good for a while. I could see Duke making a run, mainly because they have the emotional aspect of it behind them, because this is Coach K's last season as a coach. He's going to retire after this. Um... So I don't 
I could see Duke making an emotional run in honor of Coach K to the NCAA championship. Give Send Coach K off into the sunset with his sixth championship. But I don't see any of these one or two seeds being the champion at the end of it all. I don't know who because we haven't got brackets out because we're still waiting on the first four in, first four out, first eight in, first eight out. We're still waiting on the full seedings to be put in. So we don't know who's going to be in, who's going to be out. We we can't do a full breakdown of a March Madness break, March Madness bracket, my apologies. So we have to wait a little bit until we know who is in, who's out of this March Madness tournament. But personally, I could see Duke making a run to the championship emotionally because this is Coach K's last season ever as a coach. That's why I could see Duke making the run. But until we get that bracket out, I need to take a little bit of time, look at the bracket, come up with my own ideas, formulate who I personally think could be the one that ends up being the national champion in the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, so we just got to wait for that March Madness bracket to be sent out, and then we can look and see who might win, who might lose. Actually, Kentucky is an SEC team. I completely forget that they're good. <laughs> I always forget that Kentucky's a SEC conference team. It's because I'm more of a, a football guy in general, personally. But that's just me. I'm, I've am i been a Broncos fan my entire life. Nuggets, I'm off and on. Colorado Rockies, I'm not really a fan at all. I'm a Cubs fan first there. Baseball, that's with baseball. <laughs> yeah, speaking of baseball, not much of an update. First two... <laughs> First two weeks of the season already canceled already because lovely, lovely Rob Manfred cannot come to an agreement with the Players Association. That's our quick little 30-second update on the MLB season. And then back to NCAA basketball. Um, yeah, we, as I said, we just have to wait on the bracket to release, see who all the teams are that are going to be playing in March. We can, we'll have our potential upset alert. We're going to go over, we're going to go in depth to this. We're going to go in depth to the March bracket and we're going to look, per, we're going to look for some personal upsets that might happen, see where there might be some wins, some losses for some good teams that you think should go where they can just maybe get upset. We'll see. Uh, we'll see when that bracket comes out because we're going to do a March Madness bracket special. That's going to be our next episode next week is a March Madness bracket special. And we're going to do the amateur guy who doesn't really know much about NCAA basketball because we don't. I don't personally follow it that crazy heavy. But we're going to do our amateur predicts the March Madness tournament. Um, yeah, we're going to be taking a quick break here, and then when we're back, we're going to be talking about the Broncos and the Dota 2 Pro Circuit, and and all the fun little stuff that COVID had caused with the Dota Pro scene, and then the Broncos and the always lovely rumors of Aaron Rodgers potentially coming here. We'll be back.
Sports Report is brought to you by Mary Todd Lincoln Dota. The Mary Todd Lincoln Dota 2 organization is for cool guys and gals that are into trying hard, talking strategy, and keeping a calm mind. They have two teams that participate in league play in Dota's premier amateur league, AD2L, but they also host various events for their Discord community, such as the annual MTL Awards Gala and Pudge Awards. <laughs> All hosted by MTL. As a group and community, they hold everyone to the highest standards of being respectful towards women, minorities, and techies players. Become part of the kindest Discord and Dota community, Mary Todd Lincoln Dota. Hey there, listener Jeff Roy here, your host of the Denver Sports Report. Question for you, do you consider yourself a casual gamer? Do you want to compete in your favorite video game in a more competitive nature? Grin Esports can help you find an amateur team in their gaming organization. So come and join the Grin Esports community today. Go and follow them over on Twitter at Grin Esports and join the Grin Esports Discord channel. Go and connect with fellow gamers and be part of one of the fastest growing esports organizations. with your host with the most that'd be me jeff roar um we're gonna be talking about our favorite team obviously if you've been listening to any of our content previously we talk about the broncos no matter what they are the best denver media team because colorado is a football haven in terms of the team that we we're 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 quite literally broncos country like you have the rockies nah losers Sorry, I'm a, I'm a coach fan. I'm just going to call it how I see it. I just wear Rockies gear because so Rockies fans don't try to beat me up because we quite literally, when uh, Cubs come to town, we make uh, Coors Field, Reelyville West. I do not apologize whatsoever for that comment. Um, and then you got the Rapids. Soccer's not really big in the U.S., so the Rapids just don't get a lot of coverage despite being a good team. And then the Nuggets, the... They're really good, but the major media doesn't really cover them. The major media markets like ESPN and all them do cover. They just cover the Broncos because I don't know why. I'm a Broncos fan. Through I believe Orange and Blue. I'm part of Broncos country. They're about the only Colorado team I support no matter what, do or die. And, uh, no apologies on that. Um, we're going to be coming into the ownership we're gonna start off with that the hot and three names for that are media mogul byron allen ownership group led by peyton manning and a potential ownership group led by broncos legend john elway uh, with that the broncos are going to be sold auction style so highest bidder becomes the new broncos owner the projected sales total with that is four to five billion dollars is how much the Broncos are going to cost somebody to become the new owner. That's a hefty chunk of change. Um, you're going to need a, quite a few extra financers to help you uh, 
afford that that billing for the Broncos if you are a potential owner for this team if you are one to buy them you're gonna have to drop a hefty chunk of change not just your own but a few of your buddies four to five billions nothing to sniff at but highest better becomes the Broncos new owner uh, my only hope is that the new owner comes in with the same philosophy Mr. Pat Bowling came in with um, you have to be a winner no matter what, the one goal year in, year out when Pat Bowen was the Broncos owner and was able to run the Broncos was to be the number one team. That is my only hope for the new owner when they do come in is you want the Broncos to be a winning organization again. Uh, we've kind of fallen off the wagon there since we won the Super Bowl in 2016 and Super Bowl 50. We've kind of fallen off the wagon with being a winning team. We've just had a lot of issues in the front office with Pat Bowen and his Alzheimer's ending up being the reason he ended up passing and that developing worse. Not really having an owner or we haven't really had somebody at the head of the table to lead us. So it's been difficult to figure that part out. If you don't have a captain of the ship, the ship kind of just seems directionless, which it has been since 2016. Um, but with this, George Payton has brought in a new coach. And that coach, Nathaniel Hackett, has brought in a whole new coaching staff. With the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, former Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett was hired as the head coach. He brought in a new offensive coordinator in Justin Outen, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach in the son of legendary Broncos coach Gary Kubiak. His son, Clint Kubiak, comes in as the quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. Offensive line coach, new is Barry, Butch Berry. Wide receivers coach, Zach Azanzi. Tight ends coach Jake Moreland, running backs coach Tyrone Wheatley, assistant offensive line coach Ben Steele, quality offensive coach, quality offensive quality control coach Justin Ratscotti, and then another offensive quality control coach is Ramon Chinyoung. That's on the offensive side, and those are Nathaniel Hackett's personal hires. Those are his basically assistants. But then the guy who's going to be running things on the defensive side, literally, um, <clears throat> is former defensive backs coach for the Super Bowl winning offense, <clears throat> Los Angeles Rams, my apologies, is Ajiro Avonro. He's the, um, he got, <laughs> he got the AOK from former <clears throat> Broncos cornerback in Aqib Tlaib. Aqib Tlaib quite literally said, yeah, that man E has been around for so long, he's he's good. He's a good hire. So he has former great Broncos cornerbacks, A-OK. -okay. And then under him, we got the senior defensive assistant, Dom Capers, defensive line coach, Marcus Dixon, inside linebackers coach, Peter Hansen, outside linebackers coach, Burt Watts, Defensive backs coach Christian Parker, assistant defensive backs coach Ola Adams, then defensive consultant Bill Kolar, and then on the special team side we got new special teams coordinator Dwayne Stukes, 
Then special teams assistants Mike Mallory. We're in the we're nearing free agency here soon, so we got that to look forward to. We're obviously currently, as of March fifth, we are having the <clears throat> NFL Combine go right now. Uh, Broncos are potentially looking at a new quarterback. They're looking at edge rushers. They're looking at what they heavily need. They could also be looking at a cornerback to pair with young Patrick Sertain. Depends on what the Bronco... If the Bronco... Personally, if the Broncos have that number nine pick come the NFL draft, if your guy is not there at number nine and you haven't... Obviously, if the Broncos haven't got... Still have the number nine pick, they haven't got that trade for... Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or I'm just going to throw this out there. You guys might I might get a little hate back on it. If we sell the number nine, we don't have Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Um, Deshaun Watson's legal cases are trending positively in his favor which you might not like Deshaun Watson and what he's done but you can't debate his talent um, with that, you got, if the Broncos are picking at number nine, if your guy is not there, trade back into like the mid to late first round, get a few more picks. You have your, the Broncos already have five picks in the first 100 picks. So they're going to get quality guys out of the draft. It doesn't really matter, but we're transitioning that we're going to be talking about the quarterback situation. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater is not on contract anymore. Um, the new head coaching, the new coaching staff likes Teddy Bridgewater, but you keep hearing them <clears throat> sing the praises of Drew Locke. Justin Outen likes him. Clint Kubiak likes him. Nathaniel Hackett uh, enjoys, <clears throat> can't wait to work with Drew is what he's been quoted as saying. So even the new head coach is excited to work with the young talent of Teddy of Drew Locke, not Teddy Bridgewater, I apologize. Um, so they like the on they like the tape and physicals that Drew Locke brings, but you got to find we're trending towards a win now mode and I don't personally I don't believe Drew Locke's that guy if we're trying to win now. We have to go find somebody to do that that be that Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson or even oddly Deshaun Watson personally I don't think Russ or Deshaun end up coming here I think the odds on favorite to be the Broncos new quarterback is either a rookie quarterback be that Malik Willis or any of the other rookies in this draft which I don't think any of these rookies are really that great but when you have a very thin quarterbacks options in the draft like we do this year, you just got to those guys get boost their drafting position gets pushed forward a little bit more. So you got Malik Willis, who I think is like a late first round, early second round talent in any other draft, gets pushed to that top ten status. So. You got to look forward to what the draft night brings for teams, not just the Broncos. But if the Broncos are still drafting nine, if you're, if the guy you absolutely love happens to get drafted in the apex before, if you're George Payton, you gotta trade back a little bit. You can't just draft at nine because 
yeah, there's still quality guys there. If the Broncos are going to fall in love with a guy, if they still have that nine pick, because they haven't traded for one of these really good potentials, the one of these really good starting quarterbacks that could potentially land here. If they're drafting nine, your guy's not there. Trade back. But if your guy is there, be it an edge rusher, which this draft class is very, very deep in edge rushers. Pick your edge rusher, get your guy, because we need to pair somebody with Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, I'm going to do a slight hot take. Bradley Chubb, despite getting a lot of hate from Broncos country and the media, when healthy, Bradley Chubb is a top 15 edge rusher in the entire game of football. I don't care what you say, the guy, when he's healthy, is a Pro Bowl talent near if he is, if he can continue to build on that Pro Bowl, which a lot of lower leg injuries, I don't think he can, despite being picked high, I don't think he's much more than a Pro Bowl talent when healthy now because of the lower leg injuries. If Bradley Chubb didn't have those leg injuries, he would be potentially an all-pro talent, but he's... Those lower leg injuries scare me from him being able to be more than just the pro bowler at his best anymore. Uh, I don't think Bradley Chubb, he had, coming into the league, had that potential to be that athletic freak that could beat you with strength, could beat you with finesse. But too many lower leg injuries have slowed Bradley Chubb a little bit, way too much. But Bradley Chubb still is a really good player. So... He's still a Pro Bowl talent. You got to get somebody to pair with Bradley Chubb or vice versa. You got to pair somebody with that young Alabama stud cornerback in Patrick Sertan the second. You got to get somebody to pair with him on the opposite side. Uh, Patrick Sertan's obviously proven he has the potential to be an all-pro. I'm going to say it. It's a little early, but Patrick Sertan does look like he could trend to be a Hall of Famer like Champ Bailey. Um, early in the offseason, or early in the season, my bad, Champ Bailey said, was quoted as saying, actually, no, this was after the draft when we picked Patrick Sertain. Uh Champ Bailey said, this guy is very good. He's better than me off draft night than I, and I was already a really good quarterback coming out of college, so... Hall of Fame cornerback. He got the Hall of Fame cornerback approval from Champ Bailey. So Patrick Stain is a very good option. Obviously, second season. Let's see if he can build off that. We're going to be looking towards Pat PS2 to build off a really good rookie campaign. Let's see what he can do in his sophomore season. Uh, keep an eye out for that quarterback situation. So we just got to keep our eyes out for what's going to be going on with this Broncos organization. We got the new coach. We just need to get a new owner. We still got to be looking for that new new quarterback, be that Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, whoever comes. They just have to be able to go into that win-now mode that the Broncos are trending towards with what they're doing offensively, defensively. And what George Payton's trying to build with this organization without an owner currently. We're in win, we're trending towards win now mode. If we get Rodgers or Wilson, if we get Watson, we can build a little bit more. But we are still in win now mode with him, even though he because Watson is a younger guy, but he's a very good quarterback that we could have around for years. But if we get Rodgers, Wilson, win now, 
Watson still win now, but we have more of a window of that win now. Um, and then we're going to be going to our co, not our co-host, our special guest, Gavin Godwin. We're going to be going to him uh, so we can talk to him about the Dota Pro circuit and the Dota 2 season and what the outlook on that is. We're going to be going to him. <laughs> With our special guest, Dota 2 Esports Insider, Gavin. So what do you have for us on the Dota 2 Pro Circuit? Well, uh, as, as things are kicking off into the, the new DPC season, uh, one of my favorite teams uh, that I follow personally would be Alliance, um, which over the past couple years, besides last TI, uh, last TI they did finish 11th, which sounds pretty bad, but that's still a very good prize for them considering they haven't been doing well. Um, but going into this new DPC, after not doing very hot for quite a few years, um, they actually managed to sign Wii, we are commonly known as Weeha, uh, which is a longtime player, has been around for, for quite a few years. Um, but it was, it was interesting to me because they actually tried to sign him uh, three years ago, uh, or about two and a half to three years ago. Um, but back then, there was uh, a lot of teams were being sponsored by uh, betting sponsors or gambling sponsors. Um, and we actually uh, did not have a very good conscience when it came to gambling, um, something with his uh, like family and background. So he actually declined their, their invite from Alliance. Um, but they actually made accommodations just, what was it, two weeks ago, they signed him um, and made accommodations that he didn't have to have any of these sponsors on his jerseys or anything like that or in his, uh, his pro name. And so now he's been signed to Alliance. And, and we have Wii, who is, you know, arguably the best Meeple player in the entire world, playing pro Dota along with Alliance. Uh, and I, I think this new lineup is going to be, um, be a, a force, honestly. Uh, Alliance has not done very well, but then coming into this DPC, they, were, they finished fourth in the groups, which is a big move up um, for them. We've got Nico Baby, which is a, a very well-known name for this guy's farming potential, just an amazing carry player. And we as, as a player who is known to make space. Um, and I feel like they, they also just brought on Symmetrical, who is uh, kind of a new name uh, in the pro scene, very well known in, in pubs, though. Um, and I feel like this new this new core lineup of their three cores, I, I feel it's just going to be amazing. Um, and I'm really excited for, for what they have in store for Alliance. Yeah, speaking of Alliance, uh, unfortunately, they are going down to Division 2. So they have to battle back to that uh Dota Pro Circuit Division One in Western Europe. Um, they dropped down, so they're going to have to take top two in the lower division, Division Two in the Western European scene to be back with like those top tier Western European teams. I I think they can do it, though. I really do. Um, you got anything else uh, for us with uh, Dota Pro Circuit, or? Well, actually, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about just the um the meta as far as the the hero picks and the team lineups go um and in all of these games last night actually wildcard gaming versus infamous we see this hero tiny this hero has not been picked for a little while and then the new patch 7.3 came out and this hero's win rate went from a 48 to a 55 one of the biggest jumps of all of the patch uh, as far as win rates go uh, as well as pick rate and what, what they did to him is just crazy. They, they gave him a free farming tool at 15 minutes for a fourth of the price of what it should be. 
And this hero has been getting first picked. Um, he actually got some nerfs uh, a week and a half later on 7.31b, the most recent patch. But last night in the infamous first wildcard gaming series, he was first picked by wildcard uh, both games. He was first pick. Uh, it was first phase game one. I think it was the second pick, but it was first phase. And then game two, he was first picked. Uh, this hero, Tiny. And obviously, they, they know something because he's a very good hero. But Infamous responds with the Lifestealer hero, a hero that is very good at just man-fighting these strength cores, such as Tiny. Um, and Lumiere, the, the core player for Infamous, went 22-0 and zero against this Tiny hero. Um, so the, this Tiny hero comes out of the gate, very good win rate, very good hero. Teams start picking him up, and, and now we're realizing that the hero isn't as good as, as we thought it was. Uh, and that's, that's shown with Infamous. Lumiere going 22-0 and 0 on his Lifestealer versus this Tiny Game 2. He, they picked him a Luna. Uh, he has 800 GPM to the 400 of Tiny, doubling this Tiny's GPM, just owning the game before Tiny can even come online. Um, and I, I really like this because it, it shows that just because a hero can jump and skyrocket and, and pick rate or win rate or whatever it is because of a patch, these, these pro teams know what they're doing and know how to draft around it and come up with solutions. Uh, and as, as shown by infamous last night, very, very good performances. And I actually look forward to seeing what, what infamous is going to do uh, this season. Cause their, their players are doing very well. Yeah. In my uh, personal pub experience, I've been seeing this, uh, carry tiny coming to my pubs. It's, I personally haven't had any issues against it because I, know how to beat a tiny and i've been doing very well against it the hero i found that personally for me has been really good against tiny has been ursa um i don't know why ursa is just a hero what i found is tiny doesn't really want to go against a hero that has an ability to mitigate his burst damage such as an ursa or a lifestealer lifestealer with that rage he can mitigate the burst damage ursa with uh, his ulti can mitigate that damage as well um this tiny hero, even though it's really good on paper, isn't a literal god like teams are thinking it is because it is still beatable, even though people seem to think, oh, this tiny hero is busted. It's not really, it's busted, but it's not crazy. I, I would completely agree. And I, I really think that this hero is going to start dropping both in pick rate and win rate now that you know, the pro teams are showing us how to beat this hero. Yeah, we're, well, that's why... This hero comes out, it's broken, and then people figure it out. They're like, oh, this is not that busted. I mean, along with that new patch, there was also that new hero uh, from Aghanim's Labyrinth that got introduced. Probably one of the lowest win rates off drop for a new hero that I've seen in a while probably since Snapfire was introduced to the game. Uh, this Year Beast, I, I'm just going to call him Year Beast because that's probably my favorite uh, secondary Dota mob. Um, the This Year Beast isn't... He's not busted. I've seen games where he can take over a game, but he's not crazy. All right, I think, just from my personal opinion, that people are not playing him uh, to his strengths. Um, I think he is. His, his spells are very low cooldown for what they do. Um, his ultimate is a. It, it's a single target stun that also stuns and damages everybody around that target as well. But it's only in a thirty second cooldown, 
And so I, I feel like teams are trying to pick this hero to be a you farm up and kind of win the game in mid to late when I, I've, I've seen this hero dominate an early game and you just can't defend against him if they're going higher ground at 20 minutes because you don't have anybody strong enough to survive. This guy has the highest strength gain in Dota now. He oh, he surpassed Centaur. And I, I think that teams just aren't playing to his early game strength. Centaur also got that uh, strength gain per level nerfed a little bit with that patch. So it's not too hard when you lose about like half of your strength gain from a patch. For sure. That was our quick little esports insider minute with Gavin. Um, I just want to do some esports stuff because we are sponsored by a couple of esports organizations, that being Grin and MTL. They're small time, they're nothing huge, crazy, but they are our sponsors. So I want to do some insider stuff with the, with the esports scene, specifically with Dota, because they are Dota teams. I just want to cover some Dota stuff really quick. Um, yeah, that's going to be it for us on this episode of the Denver Sports Report. Um, yeah, but that's about it for this this week. We're going to be coming back next week, probably about same day of the week. Probably another Sunday episode. Uh, probably another Saturday episode. My apologies. Um, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. Um, if you want, uh, you can always catch me on my Twitch streams at Simba underscore Roar on Twitch. You can also follow me on Twitter at Simba underscore Row on, on Twitter. Um, as well, we have our business twitter at denver sport r on twitter or you can also follow us on instagram at roar underscore media on you can follow us on any of those accounts you'll get end updates be able to follow me and just what i'm doing uh when podcasts released and any other media when i just do when i do some twitch when i do because probably next week i'm gonna do this as a live recording so you guys can Literally jump on my Twitch and watch me make this up next week's episode. Um, yeah, that's going to be it for me. I'm Jeff Rohr again, and this is the Denver Sports Report. Come back next time. See a train.